Welcome back to Here's the Deal. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today I am interviewing my longtime friend and also sorority sister, Katie Lush. Katie is a movement teacher who actually owned her own Pilates studio in Chicago for 18 years. If you have ever owned a brick and mortar studio of any kind, you understand what an accomplishment that is. And prior to COVID, she actually had plans to sell it, and she did, and she now is online and in person in Kansas City. The reason I reached out to her is because she has an amazing perspective on movement and what it takes to be a movement instructor. So we initially started talking about the sustainability or lack thereof of being a movement teacher. And when I say that, I'm talking about being a yoga teacher, a gyrotonic teacher, a a Pilates teacher. But then it turned into a conversation about how to actually create a sustainable movement practice for yourself. What I love about this conversation is how Katie explains the difference between movement and exercise. So movement is what you need to get your life accomplished. And then exercise always has a goal or a purpose behind it. And a lot of us, we are doing certain forms of exercising that are just repeating the same movement day in and day out. And that's why these little niggles and nags pop up in our bodies. And then you have to go to PT and your PT then recommends that you go to Pilates or gyrotonic. And that is where Katie comes in. But with the conversation that Katie and I have, she helps us nip that in the bud before we need to go to PT or do any of that stuff. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation and take away something from it. One of my favorite parts before I let you listen to the whole thing is the conversation on feet because I get so many people who come to me, they'll work in our Lift to Get Lean groups. I'm like, well, my feet hurt when I do this and I've got plantar fasciitis. And we talk about how important it is to take care of your feet. Enjoy this episode. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I am so excited because I'm talking to a friend of mine, Katie Lush. We actually went to college together at TCU. Um, We're going to talk today a little bit about being a movement instructor and the sustainability or lack thereof of it, and then also a bunch of other things. So before we dive in, Katie, thanks so much for being here. And can you give us a little bit about your background? Like, How did you get to where you are now? Oh my gosh. Um, Okay. Well, first of all, it's so fun to be here. So thank you for having me. Um, It's so fun because like, as I see you online, I think about all of our memories back in college and all the singing and dancing we did in um, our sorority, which is wild because I'm like, we're still performing. We're just doing it for Instagram. Totally. Um, (laughs) uh, So I am a movement teacher. Uh, I teach specifically Pilates and gyrotonic and something else called restorative exercise. Mm -hmm. And I have been doing this for roughly 20 years. Um, I had a studio in Chicago, which is crazy today would have been the 18th anniversary. What? Um, but I know, which is wild, but I moved <laughs> last summer to Kansas city, your hometown. And so, um, as a result of that, 
and from like a taxation standpoint, I did have to actually like close the name <laughs> Chicago River North Pilates, um, but I had already created Lush Living, which is my new online and in-person sort of uh, movement studio. And so, um, so yeah, so it would have been 18 years, but we just slide that into is, a new, a new uh, regime. That is no small feat for anyone who is curious. You know, um, I never owned a studio. I did had the pleasure of managing a studio and it's so hard to own your own when there's franchises constantly going up. I mean, 18 years, Katie. Is that crazy? Yeah. Good for I you. Know. Like, I remember when it turned like 16, I was like, I have a baby who drives. I mean, it was just, it was such like a weird, like, wow. I mean, it's yeah. Like I could have a kid who's 18 right now. That's just wild. So that was my baby, but yeah. So Chicago River North Pilates during COVID, we, our lease was up. So we had already had plans to move it, which I did. And then when I personally moved out, it kind of rearranged the business situation and then kind of sold it off in parts and then um, moved to Kansas and kind of started my own gig here. So um, yeah, I've been doing this forever. I am a lifer. This is not a part-time gig. This will always be my career. Um, I'm super passionate about educating people and just how to move and feel good and move well. And kind of like what you're talking about, like sustainable teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of what I learned in the last couple of years is like sustainable movement Mm -hmm. and how, um, you know, like I always thought about my teachers, like at Equinox, who I loved and adored. And they like taught like eight classes a day. And I was just sort of like, how, (laughs) like, how does that even work? And so, um, pivoting like the mindset of like what movement is what's really necessary I mean everything tends to fall under the functional movement umbrella but um yeah and then just kind of like as a teacher taking care of yourself in the process I think that that's a big takeaway that COVID has sort of kicked off for most of us so yeah I think what's in the irony of it is I remember, you know, I started teaching yoga because I loved yoga, love, 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 love yoga. Same thing with like spin, but then you start teaching these things. Let's not talk about owning a studio for a second. You start teaching these things. And then all of a sudden your practice, Mm -hmm. you don't have any time to practice because the type of practice you're now teaching. Totally. No, I would say that actually. So this is what happens. Uh, You know, somebody has been taking Pilates. They love it. They go and get certified. They have all these hours they have to accumulate. They have to do practice teaching, practicing, observing. It's a, t- it's a time suck. Mm-hmm. So they do it. Then they have to do all these hours before they prepare for like a final exam. They do it. Then they start teaching and they are so focused on building a clientele and pouring all of their energy into it that they literally stop moving. <laughs> it's expensive. Every, you know, they don't have any money anymore. And this is a pattern I see over and over and over again. And then you talk to them like three years later, and maybe they need to start getting some continuing education and you look at them and you're like, what happened? Like what happened to you? Like you were at this point, your body felt really good. You looked really good. Like you're moving so well. And I can see like, you've got all these weird pains and injuries and you're like, what happened? And it's because all they did was teach and they have all this repetitive movement of changing springs and bars. And all of a sudden their thumbs have arthritis and you're like, yeah. what happened? And so it's, yeah, it's like, you got to practice what you preach, you, you know? And so there's this big disconnect and the, I would say, I mean, Pilates and gyrotonic, I see it in both. Um, people are just really focused in on their teaching and I mean, spinning and, you know, 
uh, group fitness, like you're generally demonstrating, mm -hmm. right? For us as teachers, we're not really demonstrating. Mm -hmm. We are like changing equipment, doing handholds. And so you are like not doing the exercises at all. You're talking a lot. Mm -hmm. you're moving people you're wiping equipment and you're doing all these repetitive mo motions but none of them apply to oh, what you're teaching and so um so yeah so it's it doesn't translate and yeah. so it's a very it's a very different fatigue and so unless you like make a very concerted effort to take a regular class like i always just found another colleague and scheduled a weekly class yep. and i just religiously went to it and then I started going to like a small group class for teachers only. Oh, that was amazing. lovely. Yeah. yeah, there were like four of us. And we, you know, there was like eight of us that we just sort of alternated if we could make it or not. Mm -hmm. Things like that. Definitely things like it's hard, but it's, it's, it's that. I mean, I'm sure it happens in the yoga world too. Like it's just, it's really, really hard. It is. And one thing, you know, pre-COVID when everyone was teaching a lot of classes, you, I don't know if it's the same in the Pilates community, you're teaching here at this studio and then at that oh, studio, you're running all over town totally, totally. Um, for, you know, X amount of dollars per classes, which, you know, unless you've been teaching for a while, mm -hmm. not really like sustainable. It like, isn't. <laughs> you, how do you think, can uh, just an instructor of movement make that their full-time, not an owner, not a manager. I just yeah. full-time. So <laughs> I'll answer it. The short answer is yes, it actually, you can do it. And what's really interesting right now is there is a huge teacher shortage. Mm -hmm. So just like I was talking about with you earlier, um, just off camera that, um, there are a lot of people who stopped working out during COVID legit for yeah. sure. Um, now they want to come back to the studio. Cause like, even as of today, like all the mask mandates are lifted. And so a lot of teachers who either and this is fine. I see nothing wrong with this. Like I had one of my colleagues, she retired. She's like, yeah. I'm done. And I was like, cool, go retire. And then, um, one had a baby. So like now her hours are more part-timey or mm -hmm. she's like still figuring all that out. Um, you know, like I pivoted to here. I also realized like I was totally working too many hours. So I cut back like five of my hours a week, but that's five less hours that I can see clients. Yeah. So a lot of us made very good boundaries <laughs> decisions. Yeah. And unfortunately, as a result, now there's this influx of clientele, but not enough teachers. So if somebody were to get certified today, <laughs> mm -hmm. I guarantee there would be a huge, you know, pool of people who would want to take classes in the very near future. Um, where it gets a little, and this is going to be such a terrible broad statement is being in the industry for 20 years. Yes. Um, that's a generation gap. hundred percent. So your and I's generation is a little different. Like we're kind of like more Gen X millennial edge, you know, kind of like right on that border. And so we're scrappy. We're still yeah. very scrappy. We played outside. We were kind of raised by ourselves. Like our parents were starting to work a lot of divorces, things like that. So there's a very different mentality of us versus, I don't even know what the next generation is called. So I was willing to work 11 hours a day. Yeah. I was willing to work evenings and weekends. I was willing to like kill myself to build a client list early on 
because I was willing to like sacrifice my well-being to like build a clientele. And then I started implementing boundaries after a couple of years. I was like, okay, 10 hours is just not sustainable. I need to drop it down to like eight. And then I eventually dropped it down to six. And then we were like, okay, that feels good. I cannot go more than six in a day. Um, and so I backed into that. The teachers of today are like, I'm not teaching on evenings or weekends. And um, I need to start at like nine because 8 a.m. is too early for me. And, and I see this over and over and over again. I'm like, good for you for having like really good boundaries. But like, yes. but like I have clients who need 7 a.m. appointments. So it, it, are you going to make the money and decide to wake up a little early or are you not? And so when these people have such tight parameters, you're like, I can't like, yeah, I, I, I can't help you. So then the other option is to bounce, right? To like go from studio to studio. I mean, again, totally within your right, but then you're wasting all this time driving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you can anchor yourself in like two locations, which is what I'm currently doing. Like I've got this country club that I'm working out of in person. And then I teach my virtuals from home. And actually sometimes I teach the virtuals out of the um, country club as well. It just works in my schedule that way. Um, I had a third gig and I wasn't accumulating enough clients from it to have it make sense. So mm-hmm. I let it go. Cause I was just like, you know, the travel time of going to one more location was just eating into my day. It was like kind of stressful. It was like resetting the space too. Cause like even energetically walking into certain spaces feel certain ways. And this one felt a little bit more chaotic. And so it took more brain power and it just kind of sucked me a little bit more dry. So I was like, this isn't good for my, for me. <laughs> um, it's so, so yeah, but yeah, I think it's just, it's the new recruits are different. They have a different mentality and I can't say that it's bad. It's no. just, it's different. And so to build a full load of clients is going to be a lot harder and it's going to take a lot longer. I remember my Wednesday used to look like this. It wasn't even one of my earliest mornings. This is when I still was working another job. I would teach a class at the rec center at eight 30. Then I would go work from, you know, 10 to four or five. And then I would teach, um, a spin class at five 30. And then I'm going to go teach a yoga class at seven. And that's what you had to do. And I loved it. I didn't regret it. I loved Wednesdays, right. It was the beginning of my career. And I was doing what we had to, to do then teach all the classes at whatever time you could get them five 30 AM. You bet. Yes. I'll teach that class Uh until your clientele is built up. And I bet that has helped you move your business online. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, I, I just, there's a lot of like basic businessy things that, you know, as movement teachers may not come organically to some people like, um, and you know, I have like a business minor, but did it really help me in this capacity? No, but common sense certainly did. <laughs> so, you know, I, I fell into a business structure cause I did work for another owner before I bought the studio. And I saw the way she set up everything and I started to replicate it. And she had been a long-term Pilates teacher even before me. And this was like back in the nineties. So, um, I kind of replicated what she did, but then obviously brought it more into like the 21st century. So basic things, greet somebody at the door. And this isn't all private sessions. You can do it in groups too, but like you greet people who walk in the door, you acknowledge them, you ask them how you're doing, how they're doing. How's your body feeling today? You know, then they come in you check in. How's that feeling? You know, like grab yourself a glass of water. Mm -hmm. There's a towel over there, you know? Um, and then there's a follow-up 
like, okay, you did a really good job today. I saw a lot of progress in X, Y, Z. That's really fun. Um, okay. I plan on seeing you on Thursday at 10 AM. Okay. We're confirmed. Good. Follow up email or follow up text or whatever scheduling software you use checks that off that box. And you just pre-plan your schedule. And then I have permanent appointments where it's like, I see the same people, the same day of the week, the same time of day. And I just create that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you either fit in my schedule or you don't. Yep. And so that's actually a really good boundary. And I do think that has weeded out a lot of people because that's an expectation I have of them. It's like, you're not just going to float in and out of my schedule, which is what was happening with that other gym. This woman wanted 30 minute sessions. She kind of wanted to go like every other week. And I was like, no, I started a 30 minute session. I was like, we really got to bump it to 45. And she said that she gets bored working out. And I was like, red flag, red flag. Yeah. Um, oh boy, Katie. Yeah. You get bored. You get bored. And then she came in with like a walking boot and I was like, okay, come on. What's going on? <laughs> like, I'm going to teach you 45 minutes. And this was also, I was supposed to translate Pilates on gym equipment. So I had to like mm-hmm. teach myself all the gym equipment, which I did. And I was like, I can translate a lot. It's fine leg press machine. It's footwork. It's the same. Um, yeah, no. And she kind of like, and so I was sort of like, okay, I plan on seeing you Monday at night, eight, you know, at eight, eight, eight 45. And then I get like the phone call the day before, like, mm, I need to change my schedule. And I was like, no, um, also like strong policies of like 24 hour cancellation periods, like holding firm and true to those that I would say that is the biggest struggle that most mm-hmm. teachers have. So Um, if you get to work for yourself and have your own schedule, if you need to let somebody, you know, have a little grace, that's okay. Yeah. Right. But, you know, um, especially if you work for something corporate, you kind of sometimes can't do that, but, um, having good boundaries, but also like, you know, be willing to work and then having just like a little common sense. (laughs) Absolutely, It goes a long way. Well, one thing that I think um, that the pandemic helped with, I think it helped the teachers who are the really, really good teachers because they were able to move online and have their followings follow them so then they could set their own rates, be paid, you know, what they're worth. Like you've done that. I'm not sure what your pricing structure is, but my friend Margo, who I mentioned earlier, just before we hopped on, she's been able to do that. My friend Jackie has been able to do that. So you kind of realize you didn't need the studio because people are coming for you. Right. Right. And you know, it's funny that you mentioned that I was like starting a mastermind with another colleague, um, like right as like literally the week the pandemic hit. So we were all like on this zoom call, like staring at each other going like, what in the world are we going to do? And so by week two, she was like, okay, we need to make a three month plan. We're like, what? No, like three weeks, it's supposed to be three weeks, like three. And I was like, okay, let's do a three month plan, but we'll be back in a month. You know? So like she was forward thinking enough to come up with that. And one of the things she talked about was she was like, your hour is your hour. It doesn't matter. Like your hour is still as valuable if you are not on a piece of equipment because your knowledge has not changed. Mm. And so we had a really good discussion about that. And that started me down the path of my rates don't change because I'm not in a studio. They are exactly the same. Um, did I raise them at one point? I feel like I must've raised them somewhere during the pandemic. Just mm-hmm. like I kind of cleaned up my pricing schedule. Um, and she's absolutely right because my hour of time, whether I'm in a studio on equipment or teaching small props in your living room is the same yeah. because my knowledge is the same. And so one of my other instructors who, I let her continue to see people virtually and she came up with her own pricing tiering. When she came back in person, 
these people were used to paying 50% of her rate. Oh dear. Then all of a sudden she's in person. They're not going to bump back up again Mm-mm. because at this point it's a lesser product. Yeah. And so I don't know what happened. <laughs> I just, I, I think people then ended up staying online. Yeah. And like, I don't think she wanted to stay online. I think she wanted to see these people in person. Cause it's so much easier to see people in person, yeah. but like, if they're getting a 50% discount online, what's the motivation to see somebody in person? So I only, I think I might've only had like, and then one of those clients we shared. So then she wanted to take a session with me. And then she asked like, what are my rates? And I told her and she was like, Oh, oh. so so-and-so is, you know, doing like a 50% cut. And I was like, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm not. And so my compromise for that was friends and family members who are kind of like in the same household, I will do household rates. So like if a husband and wife take a duet together, I never charge them a duet fee. I charge them a single flat fee. And that was like, here's my gift to you during COVID. Let's all get moving. Um, and I've, I've sustained that because honestly it doesn't, it doesn't take that much more effort to do two virtually two in person, it's harder because you are adjusting equipment and whatnot. So, um, yeah, yeah. that's like in the very beginning too, a lot of people were doing free yoga stuff, but some people were doing paid stuff. Like, do you guys understand what you're doing to the marketplace? Well, that was a whole other conversation. Everybody gives stuff away for free. I mean, people need to think about that, what you're Mm -hmm. doing with the model in general. Well, let's, let's talk about like healthy movement. I love when I see you showing us how to move in a healthy way because, you know, we, we both love movement. We move in different ways, although I want to start moving like you do. Um, and I'll see people at the gym just flinging their bodies around <laughs> and muscling things up that they shouldn't be muscling up. What does it mean to, to move like in a good way or to move smartly or tell us more about movement? Yeah. So Katie Bowman is who I studied under a couple of years ago, and she is something called a biomechanist. It kind of combines a couple of sciences where it's like anatomy, physics, biology, I think. I think that's what the, it's like three sciences. Anyways, she's a very smart woman and she came up with this sort of certification program, which is unfortunately closed. And she, as I think she, she didn't do PhD, but she certainly like went down the path of like a master's she started studying, studying other cultures Mm. and started realizing that these like things we have in our mind of like, what's normal and natural is only normal and natural for our culture. (laughs) And so when she started studying, like, you know, Aborigines and, you know, all these other like non-Westernized cultures, she was like, Oh, okay, hold on. Like, let's dial this back and let's talk about like, what's really cultural in our mindset. Let's start there. (laughs) because again, there's a lot of these norms that we just sort of live with. And it's, again, it's normal, but it's not natural, but they're just, we all agree on them. So like, let's start with that. That was a really big paradigm shift for me. So then with that understanding, when you think about movement is movement exercise. So then she breaks that apart. And so she has like a, she has like a Venn diagram. It's great. So exercise in her mind, and I sort of agree with it, always has like a goal in mind. There's always like a purpose behind it. Um, And it's a lot of times either like, um, you know, like building strength, um, burning calories, 
you know, like going more distances, like there's always sort of this like mindset behind it. Like there's a very specific purpose behind it. Movement is what we do just to get our life done and accomplished. And that even includes like organ functions, like you're blinking, you're breathing, you know, these are still movements because this is just what you have to do to get your life accomplished. So like to know that and to look at like my movement profile as a teacher and a human, I was like, huh, there's a lot of gaps. There are some major gaps. And so, um, I was a dancer. Right. And so that was like one form of movement. And then I became like a Pilates teacher. That was like a different methodology. I studied a little bit of yoga. I did a little bit of weight training. And so these were all like, you know, very specific, specific movement styles. And they all had these goals. And even in ballet, the goal is like performance. That's Mm -hmm. still a goal to make a pretty shape. Um, and so I was like, huh, I, I'm missing a lot (laughs) in my movement, in my movement profile. And I love it because recently I started, I've been saying this to all my clients. So your bony and musculature, like let's say however many bones and muscles you have in your body. I don't know, whatever. There's like 600 bones and however many muscles, um, 30% of them live from the ankle down. So are we working out our feet? 30% of our workout? Probably not. Yep. (laughs) Should we be? Probably because Mm -hmm. if you just look at your body as a whole and it's like, you're trying to just like cross train and get everything sort of activated and moved. If 30% of it is two of your feet, that's a huge chunk of body. Right. And so thinking about movement from that kind of perspective, like what's missing, um, what do I do to repetitively? Mm -hmm. She even has like this cute little bar chart where it's sort of like, you can take any sort of fitness activity, let's say spinning. That's a really good one. So you take spinning or biking or whatever, and you're like, okay. And it's like a checklist. It's like, okay, is there flexion? Maybe, you know, is there hip extension? Not really. You know, is there any rotation? Is there any side bending? Are you indoors or outdoors? You know, is it a social thing? And so she has this checklist and it sort of like makes you look at, (laughs) look at movement in a very different way. So um, people love spinning, right? I mean, you taught it, you saw the diehards. Yeah. And what's really interesting about spinning in particular, because especially with Peloton is people are going from sitting in a chair at a desk for eight hours a day to sitting on their bike for another hour. And they are literally assuming the exact same position. So now their body has adapted to that shaping. And so when they try to do something else, say like cross country skiing, where it takes a lot of hip extension, it's brutal mm-hmm. because their body is not adapted to those shapes, but it's certainly adapted to spinning because spinning resembles sitting at your desk at work. So, um, it has changed <laughs> literally how I look at my own movement profile, but also how I teach. Cause I'm like, what's missing, what's mm-hmm. really missing. And like that to me for her, like Katie Bowman, this is her thought process that most of today's muscular ailments are really because we're missing a lot of this natural movement. Like we're assuming these, you know, similar shapes. We're always in chairs. We're always driving behind a car. Um, other, um, non-Westernized cultures don't have these issues. They don't all have osteoarthritis. They don't have like bum knees and shoulders and hips and thumb arthritis. Like they don't have it. Well, why? Because they move in very different ways than our, you know, cultured society. So that was a very long answer, but it's, paradigm shifting if you can kind of 
start to see it? I think it's such a powerful question to ask. What am I missing? Like I'm thinking about that right now. I know I'm missing something. I do a lot of the same types of things Mm -hmm. I had on. I don't know if you're familiar with animal flow. I had Mm -hmm. animal Mm -hmm. flow on. That's kind of how he came up with animal flow too. You know, he was a gym rat and realized there's more to life than being strong. And I think we all kind of need to realize that it's about moving well up into our eighties and beyond. So what does that look like, Katie? Like what was an ideal movement practice? I mean, so it's, it's interesting. So I call it cross training, but like not in the way that you would think where it's like, kind of like, again, I'm seeing the missing piece puzzles. Um, So for instance, when I teach virtually, I have people lie down on the floor, lie on their side, lie on their stomach, side lie, go into cat, go into kneeling and go into standing in every single session. Because the number one thing that most clients might, you know, when they're up in their 60s, stop doing is getting down on the floor. Uh-huh. And then if they stop getting on the floor, first of all, they can't get back up. But then they're also only laying on the floor in one specific position, which is usually flat on their back. Mm. And so I think even from like a vestibular system, like a lot of people have vertigo and things like that. I'm like, I mean, you've got to like, just lie on your side a little bit. <laughs> it's a very different stimulus than always laying on your back and then maybe lie on the other side. I mean, it's just, it's so small and it's so subtle, but I do that pretty much in every single session. Now I know kneeling can be hard for some people. So I've got modifications for that, but, um, and even like being on hands and wrists sometimes is really hard for people, but, um, yeah. Wow. How many people are missing that from their movement vocabulary? Like some people lay in their bed and they just lay in one position all night long (laughs) and you're like, huh, okay. I love this so much because, you know, when people work with me, they get so hyper-focused sometimes on like the way that they look and I have to do this and I have to do that. Like you're missing the bigger picture. Yeah. It's not just about looking a certain way or burning calories. It's about your quality of life. It's totally quality of life. I mean, I, somebody had uh, coined it like life fit. And I was like, yes, it's totally about being life fit because honestly, by the time I get clients who are like, especially like maybe closer to their seventies, they're coming to me because they're in so much pain. They cannot get life accomplished in the way that they want to. And they have grandchildren and they want to travel and they have all these great plans because they're retired finally. And like, they have all this free time, but they hurt so much. They can't get anything done. And that becomes the priority. And I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh, that should have been the priority at 40. So, um, yeah, but, but it, it's, it's a very big paradigm shift. I mean, if you really look at like the, the history of exercise, not movement, but exercise, like you think back to like, it's like 50s, 60s, right? Like, um, it can kind of tie into the food industry if you really want to go there and, um, kind of like late seventies, early eighties, you get like the Jane Fonda's. And this is like the first, you know, t- taste of like exercise, like group fitness exercise. Why were people doing it? Because people started dieting, Mm -hmm. right? And it became this whole like subculture. And so now you kind of look at it today and you're sort of like, it's become a way of life for so many people, but it's nice to look back at the root of it Mm -hmm. and sort of see like why and how did it originate? There was a lot of like women power in it. Like there was, you know, like you think of jazzercise and as cheesy as it sounds, like it was very empowering for these like housewives to get out of the house get some strength, move their bodies, have community. I mean, that was like, it was a thing. Yep. Um, and so it wasn't always like this. 
-hmm. right? Like what we're living in now is a very different, again, it's cultural. Like it's just, it's a different way of thinking about life. Like people didn't always just work out. Like I think of my dad who's 80 and he's like never stepped foot in a gym. Like he thinks that he kind of still thinks like, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I, I just, I don't get it. And I'm like, I know you don't get it. And here I am. Um, but, uh, right. And so, but then, you know, I, I look at him and, um, so right before my wedding, uh, he fell off a ladder and broke his heel. Oh dear. I know. So he scootered me down the aisle. It was great. And so, um, here he is like 12, 13 years later, and he actually still has a limp in that same heel and his calf, I had to measure it one time is a full inch smaller. And I'm like, yeah, you actually never rehabbed that leg properly. And you have a constant limp. Well, guess what? Just the other day, he's like, I woke up in the middle of the night with searing pain down my back and down my leg. And it woke me up. I couldn't go back to sleep. It hurt so badly. And I was like, mm -hmm, you have sciatica mm -hmm. <laughs> because of this limp that you've got for years because of a fall that you had 13 years ago. Like, and so it's like, I see it clear yeah. as day. He obviously doesn't see it. He's sort of like, I'm going to go to my doctor and get like Valium and of get some muscle relaxers. And I was like, well, that's going to do literally nothing. <laughs> um, and so like, I obviously can like put all the pieces together of like how a body can feel better, but, um, it just doesn't, it's like not even on the radar for it's some not people. on people's radar. I know you speaking of feet, I love when you talk about feet because people bitch and moan about their feet all the time. All the time. All but the time. to your point, are you taking care of your feet? No. My dad, oh my God, Kylie, I went down to so-and-so Dr. Goodfeet store. I got these new inserts and yeah. I'm just like, oh my God, dad, take those out of your feet, out of your feet right <laughs> now. Totally. Talk to us about feet. <laughs> what totally. do you know about feet besides like, how can we take care of them? Why do people, like yeah. them? you know, okay. So here we go. Cultural again. Cause again, in many other cultures, like they don't wear shoes, mm -hmm. right? Like you, you, like you take it way back to that. So shoes were invented as a protection mechanism for your feet. Makes perfect sense. Kept them warm, kept you from stepping on hard rocks and spur kind of, you know, kind of plants and things like that. I actually just <laughs> dislocated a toe a couple weeks oh, ago. Right. So like, so I'm, it's like very fresh of mind of like why foot health is so important. So I already mentioned the whole, like, you know, 30% of your body is like from the ankle down. Um, you look at other cultures, they didn't wear shoes. This is what I'm kind of learning. I'm living with my in-laws and my father-in-law. It's like, after he gets dressed in the morning, he immediately puts a pair of shoe, shoes on. And then he takes them off literally right before he goes to bed. He oh wears them all day long. And I think it's cultural. I think not wearing shoes for that generation was looked down upon. It was like a poor thing. Oh yeah. And you know, it, if you didn't have shoes, you didn't have means and there's this whole thing behind it. And I do think again, my dad wears shoes in the house too. Um, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a, thing. It, it's a part of an outfit for a woman, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a piece of, you know, identity. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's like, again, a lot, there's a lot of load behind shoes and footwear and whatnot. So you look at that, then the heel of the shoe was created, you know, mostly to like put your foot in a stirrup and then Hen or what was it you know, like Henry the eighth or something like added elevation to his heels. Cause he's a short human. And then whatever it's bastardized and turned into every pair of shoes has a heel. And that includes sneakers. So if you look at your sneaker and you just like lay it like on a flat surface, like on a tabletop, you'll see that it rocks toward the toe bed. 
And nothing wrong with that. There's actually like nothing wrong with a healed shoe, but what it does ultimately is it's like you're walking downhill continuously. Uh And if you've ever gone running and you've like run downhill, it's real rough (laughs) on your thighs and knees and whatnot. It really loads up the fronts of your legs. Um, and you're doing that in a shoe all day long. (laughs) So here we go again with, you're just like looking at your movement profile. You're saying, Hmm, I'm walking downhill all day long. Mm -hmm. Well, I have to balance that by walking uphill. How do I do that? I either have to start hill walking, (laughs) which again, many areas of the world do not have that many hills. I'm so thankful. That is one thing about Kansas city. I'm in love with the hills here, that there's actually hilly walking for the first time in my life, Chicago, real flat. (laughs) So, um, so there's that, I mean, you can like manufacture it by going on a treadmill and cranking that puppy up that incline up. That's a choice, but just know this, just know that this is happening to your body so that when your knees are always bothering you, you have something to kind of point toward and say, well, what caused this? It's not always just like, age, quote unquote age. It's the number of years and hours and days you have spent repeating something. Mm -hmm. So it has more to do with the repetition of it than it does like just a number. Sure. So, because like, you know, a five-year-old wearing high heel shoes is going to be very different than a 50-year-old wearing high heel shoes. You know, it's just, it's a numbers game. Mm -hmm. It's just not an inevitable thing. So So feet, yes, they're very important for a lot of different reasons. My favorite activity, if anybody like wants to hop on and do this, is you take a sheet of paper, you step on it, you trace it, (laughs) you trace your toes, you take your shoe or the insert of your shoe and you lay it on top of your, on, on your footprint and you see if your toes are wider than your physical shoe. And if they are, your shoe is too narrow for your foot. And so your foot is then smushing to fit inside your shoe. Again, nothing wrong with this. It has everything to do with the amount of hours you're sitting in that shoe then. Right. So if it's like, you know, your high heel shoes for the wedding once every couple months, fine. You take one for the team, you get a high heel hangover and you call it. But if this is your daily footwear and it's like the three pairs you rotate between, not great. Cause it's just the mileage no pun intended that you're putting in them. That's really causing adaptation in your feet and legs. And then people are like, why do I have bunions? And I'm like, well, look at your footwear. Does your foot match your footwear? Cause it kind of does. It doesn't look like a foot anymore. It looks like your footwear. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, and then long-term. So let's forget about the cultural side. Let's forget about like, you know, smushing your foot into a shoe. It really has everything to do with the pain that, you know, like you said, it has to do with like, why do so many people have foot pain? Why do so many people have bunions, the neuromas? I mean, it's so obvious to me that it's just like the the foot squish. And then you add the foot squish to the downhill walking all day long. And you're just jamming that little hoof right into the base of your shoes. Um, And that's 30% of your hardware. (laughs) It's just crazy. It's totally crazy. So it's a hard conversation to have with fancy ladies who love their pretty shoes. Yeah. But if you can just maybe cross train a little bit barefoot or in a little wider shoe or something a little flatter, occasionally mm-hmm. a little goes a long way, goes a long, long way. I tell you what, there is not a day. Well, that's probably an exaggeration, but I am often grateful for the fact that I'm not living in Dallas anymore. And I don't have my office job where I was wearing yeah. 
heels every single day. Like I, yeah. I happen to have a heel by me because mm. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I bought these shoes, Katie. I don't wow. know when you wear them. You all, if you can't see, it's like a four inch heel or something, three or four. I tried them on to walk around the house. I don't know if I can walk in big heels anymore, like high, high heels, but it's like, I'm barefoot all the time. Right. I go get a pedicure. They're like, oh my gosh, what do you do? I'm like, I'm just barefoot all the time. I have, yeah. <laughs> but I love it. Yeah. I don't have plantar fasciitis anymore. I don't have that foot pain. My toes are free, yeah. but this is my office and I, you know. We're, we're I lucky. Know. I know. And then everybody had this, the craze of standing desks. Oh yeah. Again, great in theory. Cause at least you're changing up your workstation from sitting to standing, but then you're standing in your footwear and it's like, Ooh, and then people are like, my back hurts. I'm like, no oh, kidding. Cause you're, cause you're standing downhill. Like if you've ever stood in a theater for like, if you've ever gone to like, maybe like a concert that's in like a nice theater where it's sloped, it's raked down toward the stage. It's brutal on your body to stand like that. And I remember I had this actor, um, he performed on a rake stage and he's like, my body is wrecked from this. And he had an elevated heel. So think elevated heel downward foot. It's just like, ow, ow. That's before disaster. Yeah. You know, and again, it's just about the time spent doing that. So if you're at a concert and you're standing for an hour, it's intense. It's really intense. So we can't forget our feet. That is something I I learned, um, several years ago and it like changed my mind. I changed my life. I was like, oh my gosh, our feet are so important. So let's say someone has never done Pilates before. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was just thumbing through our local we have a really nice theater where I live and they offer, they've got a great dance program and they have Pilates. And I was like, oh, see, they offer Matt Pilates and they offer reformer Pilates. Mm-hmm. Where should someone start? Is Matt Pilates even worth the time? Talk to us. So it depends on a lot of things actually. So usually Matt Pilates is the easier price point, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like yoga. It's a mat, maybe a couple small props. You can take it with you on the road. It's very easily accessible, except that some of the moves can be much harder to create if your body is just not adapted to those shapes. And so, um, so like, just like I was saying how people have a hard time getting down on the floor, mm-hmm. like mat Pilates is like 60% laying on your back. Mm-hmm. So it can be hard for some populations, you know, the little young thing who pops up and down off the ground, it's like no big deal. They can go into like all fours. It doesn't hurt their wrists. Like it's so easy. And because it's so accessible, it's great. Yeah, It's great for that. Um, I of course prefer the equipment because I still like, we need some load. We need some weight bearing and some of this stuff. Um, it's, you know, the reformer is a little bit more, a lot of them are a little bit more elevated off the ground. So now you're not going all the way to the floor. You're just going partially down to like a deep seat. Um, it's a bed, it's a carriage, but that's a spring loaded system, which doesn't a hundred percent translate to weights. Um, gyrotonic actually does cause it's on a, it has a weight system, but the spring, it's really interesting. It's like a TheraBand where when you stretch it to the max, it's kind of like stretched to the max and it's sort of the hardest position. And then when the recoils, it's, it loosens up. So okay. it's interesting that, that, that is sort of the, the creation, like it's a spring system. Um, but I was just speaking to somebody who, um, reminded me that this was created during a war with 
patients in hospital beds mm. and they were using springs from the hospital beds. They were using um, pipes. So the foot bar is a rounded bar. They were using a pipe to put people's feet on. So it kind of resembles a bed. Um, and that's why so much of it is lying down because the original, like the origin of it was trying to get people who were stuck lying down patients to upright and sitting. Oh. So that's why it's all core work. And that's like, you go from lying down, you come to sitting upright. That was how it started. And then it turned into something, you know, kind of more athletic. Um, so yeah, so it's a spring loaded system, you know, and it's interesting because like, just like, you know, at a gym, like swinging a kettlebell versus being on like a circuit, is two, it's two totally different loads to your system. It's just like a TheraBand versus a free weight. I mean, it's just a very different loaded system. And so also knowing that about the practice, I think about it a little differently. Like, you know, are some of these positions actually harder because the spring is stretched to the max versus would I like the same load continuously in the entire movement? Like cable systems mm. are fabulous. They really resemble what gyrotonic is, which is also a cable system where this, the weight stays the same, but it moves up, you know, it goes up and down and the cable elongates and moves. So your body is moving, but the weight is constant. So it's an isokinetic connection versus the spring tension. Like I said, it's like TheraBand. It's like, it starts at zero, but it goes to a hundred and then it recoils back to zero. So how it loads into your body is a little like something to think about. Yeah. You know, I think like all, always there will be a time and a place for free weights, kettlebells, weight systems, circuits. Like, I think all of that is really good load. Mm -hmm. Um, but reformer is definitely more, I think, accessible to the masses when it comes to people who have pain and injury, because it's not all the way on the floor. And then, um, if you're at a full studio, then you have something else called a Cadillac, which is also spring loaded. It looks like a four poster bed. And then there's all these springs and attachments on the four posts that you do all kinds of fancy stuff on. There's a chair where it's literally like a seat. And then there's a pedal that's also spring loaded. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously like lots of little things like a ladder barrel and arc barrels and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, reformer tends to be, it's kind of like the staple piece and yeah, it's an easier entry point, but then the price point jumps as a result. I know it, that. And that's the thing. Um, but I hope people are coming around to the fact that we need to invest in ourselves. Like I'm, you know, I'm very aware we all do not have just money growing on trees in our backyards, but where are you spending your money? Like yesterday on Instagram, I posted, you know, a lot of people would rather remodel their kitchen than themselves. Where are you spending your money? And I'm not here to tell you where to do it. I'm just asking you to think. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and I think what's nice about all the restorative exercise, Katie Bowman stuff that I teach is she is a huge proponent proponent of making movement accessible to the mm. masses. That is a huge platform for her. So there is no equipment involved. It is a half foam roller or a strap or a belt. And she has all these like prop swaps that I've kind of included too. You know, it's like, it's use of a pillow or mm. it's all these things that are, you know, you can pretty much go out and buy them and it's not that, or you can take stuff that you have around the house and recreate them um, and still get a really good thorough workout. Um, and I love that because especially having switched to virtual teaching, again, people weren't going to buy reformers for their home. No, none of my clients did. I know many clients that did. None of mine did. Yeah. Um, and we added more of the restorative exercise. We do like pseudo mat, maybe some gyrokinesis, which is the stool form of gyrotonic and then some restorative exercise. And 
it works. It totally works. And then we do free weights. I add weighted stuff, you know, which is, it's great. It's a good workout. There's That's amazing. Like, and everybody can do it because it's, yep. I mean, and if they don't have a weight, then they just grab their water bottle and whatever. Um, I even grabbed, I had people buy ankle weights. I was like, Ooh, we don't have enough load on our legs. So let's go get some ankle weights. And we're going to do some ankle weight stuff. That's amazing. So where can people find you? Like you're always sharing these really great <laughs> on your social media. What's your handle? And what if someone wanted to work with you? Is that even an hmm. option right now? Or are you totally booked up? I mean, with your virtual stuff. Yeah, I'm getting close. I'm getting close, but you know, people always cancel. And so I'll always slide people in for like a one-off for sure. If people want regular appointments. That's a little harder to come by, but, um, so I am on Instagram at the Katie Lush, Katie with a Y. So K A T Y like Katie Perry Lush L U S H. So my company is Lush living. Um, the, my website is katielush.com. So it's pretty easy to remember. Um, yeah, there. Like, if you ever wanted to book something, there's stuff on there. But honestly, I have a library. You get a week free. Just, mm. You can hop on and just see all the content. There's nothing that's hidden behind a paywall. Mm. You can see everything. And then I created. You know, I do think that there. I should probably talk about this more. There is this fear. Like COVID's a perfect example. People fell off the face of the earth. They stopped working out, and now they want to start again. But they're starting at like ground zero, mm-hmm. and they're really nervous, and then they're in pain and whatever. So I had created this program called Reboot which is supposed to be like a six week program, but you can drag it out as long as you want. And it's sort of an alternating, one is based on mobility or flexibility and the other video is based on more like strength. And they're like about 30 minutes or less and you can alternate them. And then there's six levels of it. Oh wow! So in a perfect world, you would do like a little mobility workout one day, you know, strength the next day, repeat, repeat, repeat. When you feel like you've sort of mastered it, then you go to the next level Mm -hmm. and it starts at ground zero, it starts where somebody can really do it. (laughs) And then I tell you what props to get and whatever. And so the reboot program is also on the library as well. Um, because I think there's a lot of intimidation of the people who just don't know where to start. hundred percent. So, yeah, I think that's great that you're meeting people where they are and a great, teacher, movement teacher, or a trainer will do exactly that. You don't need to walk out and the next day, not be able to move. Totally. It's a great sign that. Shouldn't have done totally. That. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I just, because I had so many clients who were coming to me who like, quote unquote, never moved a day in their life. Um, which basically meant they'd never exercised formally in yeah. their life. So it, it is, it's like, and it's a lot of, um, highly intelligent, lawyers, professors, doctors, like the, I mean, these people are incredibly smart. They're just not necessarily like body smart per se. So I was like, you know, you tell them to lift a leg and they're lifting an arm and you're like, that's your arm, but good job. Like that was so good. Like that you tried. (laughs) Um, and so I have many of those many, many, many of those. And those are my favorites because it's a movement education for them. And it's something that I wish that they would have gotten earlier in life, but it doesn't matter because now I'm going to give it to them. And I'm like, this is what you should have learned about your body somewhere along the way. And you didn't, which is fine because now you will. Um, and I, am just a big proponent of that, like a movement education, like, and it's, it's not like how to load a barbell and, you know, not even like form. It's truly like, here's your body. Here's a couple mm-hmm. little muscle groups. Like here's a good way to stand. 
Um, these are red flags. This is when you can push through, you know, and just sort of like, it's, yeah, it's a movement education. So hopefully the reboot kind of does that. For sure. When you think about how disconnected people are from their bodies, you know, if you ask someone, how are you feeling? Fine. No. How are you really feeling? Same thing. People just aren't connected. So those people, why are they reaching out to you? Did their doctor say, uh, mm-hmm. you need to go do Pilates or gyrotonics? Why are they going to you now? It's a good question. So I'm going to say I had really good PT referrals back in Chicago, okay. which were phenomenal. So RIC, which is now called ability lab. Um, I had a couple friends and colleagues who worked there. So as soon as their people graduated PT, I saw them next mm-hmm. because the thing about physical therapy and I love it. And I am a huge proponent of it. Yes. Um, is, and I've been in it for a number of years for a variety of different things. Um, they do want you to graduate and be done, right? Mm-hmm. That is the hope of it. But also they're sort of working a body part in a vacuum. And I will look at the body holistically mm-hmm. and that tends to get lost. I mean, so say the rotator cuff, you know, injury or recovery, they did all their moves. It's been six weeks. Everything is great. Every, they got all their ranges of motion back. And I'm like, okay, cool. I look at you and I'm like, what's going on with your opposite hip? You know, like I, I I need to see how that's related to the rest of your body and the compensation techniques that you've created as a result of the injury or pain. We need to strip some of those compensation techniques and rebuild new, better ones because the injury has gone. So, Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of that. Um, so a lot of rehab, rehabilitation, um, injury, pain management, Um, And then, like I was telling you, there's, I have these unicorns, these like 40 year old, totally healthy, you know, like no pain or injuries or anything. They have two twin kids, young kids. They just want to keep up with them. They just realize like, they they look at the long game and they're like, I want to be able to be a grandparent that can like keep up with my grandchildren. And I'm like, what? You have four-year-olds. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. And I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Like if this, you know, if this message gets out more, that it's not just about like sweating, burning the calories, you know what I mean? Like, um, just like wrecking yourself. Like you mentioned in a workout. Um, it's so much more about that long game. Um, and it's funny because there is a sort of joke I have with clients that it's like, I'm like, okay, do what you got to (laughs) do. do, you know, the crazy workouts, the every hot new thing that comes out, go do it, go have fun. And then talk to me when you're 50 (laughs) and, and like, you won't be doing them anymore. You will turn your nose up at them because you will realize how ridiculous most of them are. And they're fun and they're trendy and all your friends are doing them and you're taking all the classes together and there's a social aspect and it's cultural and it's fun and there's nothing wrong with it until there is. Mm -hmm. So, so I get a lot of that. Um, you know, there's people who like have been told, like, I need to do Pilates. One of my clients, um, she used to see a personal trainer out of her home. COVID killed that she built, she had all these pain issues. And, but then she was always told by her people, her massage therapist, you know, her trainer before maybe like an osteoporosis doctor, like you should try Pilates. And the funny thing is, is like, nobody knows what in the world it is, but they somehow realize it's like good for people. So then they like promote it. I'm like, we got some good PR. I don't know where it came from, (laughs) but yes, yes. So I used to jokingly say like, I was a personal trainer and a physical therapist kind of all rolled into one. And that's sort of the vein I like to fall in. 
um, it works. It totally works. It's great. I, I need, this is something I need to get into. I've been interested into it in about it for a while and then reading everything that you post, it just really piques my interest. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. that I can find someone locally that is as smart as you. There's a, actually, I have to say your community is pretty good. There's a lot in Colorado. So yeah, yeah. I'm really lucky with where I live. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. And Kansas for sure. City is lucky to have you. Thanks. It's fun to be here. I mean, it is, it's, it's still a hard sell. It's still, you know, not everybody's hook, line and sinker, <laughs> but now you're like the hidden gem. I am. I am <laughs> well, totally Katie, hiding in the corner. So, it was so fun catching up with you. Thank you oh, so you much too. for your time. You too. You too. You guys, I'll have put Katie's information all in our notes and everything. And let us know, do you do Pilates? Like I would love to hear what your you know, experiences or gyrotonics and that's how you say it, right? Gyrotonics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's actually not plural. It's just oh. gyrotonic, gyrotonic, gyrotonic exercise. So it's supposedly like needs a label after it, like <laughs> whatever. There's a lot of, a. it's another conversation for another day, but yeah, there's a lot of trademark stuff behind it, but yeah, gyrotonic singular. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you, Katie. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Take Until care. next time. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Here's the Deal. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Katie as much as I did. Please continue to support the podcast by rating and reviewing wherever you listen to this because that's how I can continue to bring in all these amazing guests that educate us and inspire us and help us lead healthier and happier lives. Until next time, bye-bye.